It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. From Sports Illustrated, he's our friend Chris Mannix. Chris, weird times we're in, I know, but we hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm fine, guys. Uh, hope the same over there. Hey, uh, start things off. Uh, talk about your reaction to what happened last Wednesday with the Jazz and the Thunder and what I, I guess we've seen from there. I mean, not at all shocking. Um, and I'm not saying that kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. I mean, I six hours before it happened, I wrote that this was going to happen. Um, the This virus was spreading way too quickly to not touch the NBA touch sports and i had been told in you know in all the conversations the nba and their owners had had they up until that point were trying to find ways to save the season but you know if a player had become infected that would be the end of it that they would suspend it almost immediately and that was only a matter of time so it really didn't shock me at all when the the gobert news hit and uh and the nba had to do what it do it really was just an easy thing to predict so what are you hearing chris about what the future looks like you know not a lot more than what's out there i mean every time i talk to someone in the league office or someone with you know knowledge of what's going on in the league office it's often the same conversation where we're going to take this 30 days at a time now there are some things that we know at this point right we know that the CDC recommendations all but ensure that basketball is on the shelf until the middle of May. You know, that eight-week number is a pretty good guideline for the bare minimum of when basketball and sports might be able to come back. But nobody at the league office is operating under the belief that middle of May, that's when they're going to get rolling once again. There is an understanding that this is probably going to be significantly longer. And, And look, everything we've you know, learned about today uh, from watching the news and hearing the various experts, it's more likely than not that this gets worse before it gets better. So, you know, the NBA is kind of bracing itself for uh, a season that may not start until mid-June and a season that it's growing more and more likely may not start at all. Chris Mannix with us from Sports Illustrated. And Chris, for those of our listeners may not have seen your reporting over the weekend on what's going on with Utah Jazz, can you reset that a little bit for us and then give your thoughts on what Donovan had to say this morning on Good Morning America? Yeah, I mean, I reported on Friday that Donovan Mitchell was extremely frustrated with Rudy Gobert. Um, When I was told by the sources that told me, completely understandable, I mean, we, we all at this point, and Gobert has admitted as much that Gobert was extremely careless about this, uh, that it wasn't just, you know, kind of what he did on video with the media, but stuff behind the scenes in the locker room that he just didn't take this all that seriously. And, you know, I, I think there's a part of Mitchell that, and, I, and this is more speculation, but I think there's a part of Mitchell that, 
that probably blames Gobert for the predicament that he, he finds himself in. Uh, so I, I chose the term extremely frustrated, and everything you saw this morning on Good Morning America basically confirms all that. I mean, he was asked point blank if he talked to Rudy, and he didn't say it. yes. He said, as you guys have probably repeated and played over and over again, uh, that he needed a cooling off period. Uh, you know, he, he certainly, and you know, Donovan's a very upbeat guy, a great guy. Um, you know, he that was about as, as you know, he, that was probably as close to a confirmation of his frustration as you're probably going to get. So, look, you know, down the line, uh, I, I would bet that you know, cooler heads prevail, and I would I would assume that Gobert continues to go out of his way to try to make amends there. But I did have, I have talked to people in and around the organization who have said that, you know, how Mitchell responds to all this could could really make or break that relationship. Uh, and it's it's something that that certainly bears watching, not just for the rest of this season if if they come back, but you know also the future of this franchise if those two players can coexist. So overall, how do you feel, Chris, about the way the league responded to this? Not that they had any kind of choice at all, but it seems as though they were leaving the way for what other leagues were doing as well. Yeah, I mean they they led the way in large part because they were forced to lead the way. I mean, they were the first league to have a player test positive. Uh, so they really didn't have any other choice in the matter. And look, you can certainly argue that they should have been a little more proactive and should have shut things down before they got to this point. Fortunately, it seems like the infections are at a minimum with the three that we know of. Um, so, so that's a good thing. But you could certainly make the case that they could have been more proactive. Look, if if we didn't have – I mean, look, at this point, given the way that the world has evolved, they'd be shut down anyway. But they were not talking shutdown in the in the days and hours before, you know, the Gobert case came about. So, you know, you could certainly argue that they could have been more proactive. But at, at this point, they've done everything you can possibly do. They're not – talking about playing games anytime soon they're simply like the rest of us trying to ride this thing out you mentioned uh, proactive and the word i want to bring up chris is how prepared were they and i i want to ask that based you know we can't be totally prepared for something like this in the way that it all unfolded but is this something or, or a situation like this is this something the nba had processed at least beforehand not really. I mean, uh, you know, Adam Silver said it himself that this was uh, a snap decision, you know, once the Gobert case came to to light. And I, I think the NBA from there was trying to figure all this out. Um, you know, it, I think it speaks volumes that it took a couple of days or at least a day plus for Adam Silver to speak on this matter. Every time I tried to, you know, talk to Adam, you know, try to get to Adam in the day after all this came down. I mean, the message I got from people in the league office was, look, we're still trying to get information. We're still trying to learn about, you know, all this. So they didn't want to speak off the cuff without without all that information, which I respect. I mean, that's fine. Um, So, look, I don't don't think they were prepared, but I think they were as prepared as, you know, our our damn government was. Like, it doesn't seem like we're all that prepared right now on on an American level. So, you know, they... They did the only thing they could do, um, and in the in the aftermath, they've certainly been supportive of everybody. I think it's a great idea to tell players to go home and that they're free to travel. I mean, the idea of players practicing is nuts. I mean, I heard from a number of different players in the last couple of days who have said, you know, some version of if it's too dangerous for us to play, 
shouldn't it be too dangerous for us to practice? And, and they're right. And the NBA came to that conclusion as well. So they've, they've checked all the boxes since then. So, I, I, you know, I, I grade their reaction as, you know, B plus, A minus, given all the circumstance. So, Chris, I asked you about the future effect of this. Uh, this is sort of an open-ended question. I'm kind of vague, but do you expect uh, the new normal to change anything uh, moving? I'm not talking about within the next few months, but I mean in the years and seasons to come. Do you think anything is going to change from this? Well, I, I don't know what can change from a you know from a logistics perspective in that Look, we don't know anything about the future of this virus. We don't know if it's going to go the way of some others and kind of disappear in the summer months. We don't know if it's going to be a recurrence. We don't know how long it's going to take for you know, a vaccine to be developed uh, that would be effective in combating this virus. This is a lot we don't know to make any projections. I would say that, and I'm going to write about this towards the end of the week, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued. If the game comes back and we start playing basketball in the summer, how does that go over? You know, the, I, I've long puzzled about why the NBA hasn't tried this. Like, nobody cares about basketball till Christmas anyway. You have no competition outside of baseball. Nobody cares about baseball, you know, for the most part. Sorry, baseball fans. But, like, they're, they're not, baseball is low-rated. Like, why not try to own the summer months when nothing is going on? Like, why not take a, a big swing? Now, the argument's always been, you know, TV networks – uh, would be against it. But, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a glimpse of my reporting. I had a conversation just today with John Skipper, who used to run ESPN. He's now over at the zone. And, you know, Skipper thought it would work, thought the ratings would be great in the summertime if they, they tried. He pointed out that summer league ratings are, are often great. There's a huge appetite for NBA basketball in the summertime. So what, what could come out of this, if they do come back, is if we see a wildly successful, uh, you know, July and August in terms of ratings – you could see a, a strong movement towards starting the season in December and making that permanent, which, you know, frankly, I think is, is a terrific idea to try. So how delicate of a topic is it going to be, Chris, to try and get, you know, the, there's a lot of money on the line, obviously, NBA playoffs and, and being flexible to possibly get those, uh, get those things in. How delicate is it going to be to balance that possibility with, of course, safety? Well, I mean, it, the, the way to answer that is safety – Will, will come first. You know, the, the NBA, from a, even if they tried to do things that were questionable, they would just get crucified for it. So I, I, they're not going to do anything that, that make, is any kind of risk. I mean, you would have to, I think for NBA basketball to come back, and they would have, this would be the only way it would come back in, in empty arenas, you would have to have the CDC say you can have events of 500 or less. Because if you have events of 500 or less, you can do – NBA games and empty arenas or practice facilities and still do TV production. So you can get that TV money, which is a huge amount of money, you know, in terms of the overall, overall revenue. So they're not going to be able to get away with anything. What I'm looking at in, in the next few months is how does the league and the players handle the, the issue of player payment? Players, like their payment doesn't stop at the end of the regular season. Uh, from what my understanding is, is all players, at least the vast majority are paid through, like, November 1st. Like, that's the fiscal year uh, for player salaries. At least I know a couple of players I talked to who explained that to me. So, like, if you have a, a calendar that, that pays guys out every couple of weeks, at some point NBA owners are going to say no. And, and we know 
through the force majeure uh, uh, trigger, they can they have a mechanism to not pay players. And at some point, guys, they are going to exercise that. So them exercising that, uh, how does the union respond? Can Adam Silver get with Michelle Roberts and and with Chris Paul, the president of the union, and negotiate this ahead of time so it doesn't become kind of a public fight? That to me is what what bears watching the next couple of months because owners, you know, they might be you know talking about national health now. But at some point, they're going to start looking at their money, and they're going to say, if we're not making it, we're not paying it. Uh, it's funny that you said that, Chris, because that was my next question. It was, what's the state of affairs between the Players Union and the NBA as far as making these things malleable? Like what you were talking about, if they were ever to shift the season, uh, would, would that would obviously have to be agreed upon, right? And so I, are these – are they – is the circumstance such that they are willing to work with each other? Well, at this point, you know, I think they are. Um, you know, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts have a very good relationship. This is not – it's not as adversarial as it was for a time with David Stern and Billy Hunter and some other – you know, like Michelle Roberts has a union to protect, of course, but they have had a pretty good working relationship from everything I understand about it. So – as long as they maintain kind of constant communication, I think that can be worked out. I don't think the idea of playing in July and August would be an issue with players, uh, especially with it growing more and more likely that we see the Olympics get wiped out. I mean, that's that's something I see that, that could prove problematic. Some of the international players who have committed to playing for their respective countries but I, I grow less and less optimistic about the Olympics uh, every passing day. But uh, again, the, the question is you know, if, if owners trigger this mechanism where they can stop paying players, how does the union respond? I mean, it's pretty well spelled out in the collective bargaining agreement that epidemics can can cause the triggering of this. So they're well within their rights uh, to do that. And look, players are starting to think about it. I mean, you saw Spencer Dinwiddie uh, for the Nets, who's as fiscally savvy as any player in the league. Uh, he tweeted out after the news broke that players could leave their markets that you know, how long before teams come after players' money. And that's a sentiment I've heard echoed by a number of players in the last uh, 24 hours. So I, I think that's that's a battle that's brewing uh, between players and owners, and you hope that cooler heads could prevail. The owners don't have a choice about shutting this league down. This is where we're at. And at some point, players are going to have to realize that they may not have a choice in, in seeing their money go away. Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. We'll be glued uh, to to SI, of course, for the latest on all of this with the NBA. And uh, keep washing those hands, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. The great Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated joining us. And, uh, you know, Gordon, it's it's interesting hearing him talk about the, you know, and you asked a question and he was getting into it about the players and the Players Association. There's all these details that have just been pushed to the back burner, basically, in, in order to do what's right, which is the right thing, of course. But, man, there's going to be a lot that they're going to have to figure out. I mean, tons. Uh, that detail alone, you know, how much and what do these players get paid for the amount of that they've played and and that's that's going to be a big time issue man i i like the way chris said that because the it, it, these owners and people around the league they want what's best and right now they're concerned about people's health and this virus and uh, the effect it's having on the, on the american public and worldwide and all that sort of thing but as time goes by people do start to worry about their uh 
their finances. And when you look at what the markets are doing today, it's uh, I, I imagine universally owners and uh, players are, are concerned about that side of it. And so the owners don't want to keep shoveling out money for nothing. And it's it does become a concern at some point. Now, when that point is, I don't know. But I hopefully, don't, sorry, hopefully this hopefully this thing will be restored. I mean, you have to believe at some point, and I like to be optimistic about this sort of thing. Hopefully, this thing will be contained and at some point controlled, and and we can get back to some normalcy that will restore some of what's been lost. Now, whether that can happen in, in the, like you were talking about earlier, as far as having the playoffs at a certain point during the summer, something like that, fine. But what happens if it if it's other than that? What happens if, if, if the games can't be played? Then at what point do the owners say, okay, we're going to, we're going to trigger this thing over here. And, uh, and all y'all going to be out of your paychecks. That's, it's funny because these players obviously make a whole lot of money uh, and everyone's concerned about their finances right now because there are businesses coast to coast and all over the world who are suffering right now because of the sh- these shutdowns and whatnot. But what it matters to people who have money, too, and these folks do. The interesting part, I think, will be, Gordon, when these topics actually come up. Um, and not only in the NBA, but of course across sports in the world. When these, because because right now people don't want to hear it, you know, right? If if an NBA team out there all of a sudden said, "Hey, we're we're uh, not going to pay the players during this particular time," you know, people don't want to hear that right. right now. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. on the. That's what it's a delicate line. The NFL is actually walking that they're going to keep open, which I I don't hate that idea. I really don't. They'll have to jump through some hoops and those sorts of things. But do, does your average uh, you know, uh, citizen here of these United States when they're sitting at home and they're worried about uh, toilet paper for their backsides and putting food on the table, do they want to hear about, um, uh, you know, franchise tags and millions of dollars and uh, guaranteed money and those sorts of things? Does that send the right message, you know? Well, it, it sends a hard message to, for people to consume right now. But if if uh, I, I don't know. I'm not an ec- uh, economist, uh, uh, but but if it's hurting at the top, it's probably going to hurt at the bottom as well. And these are things that will have to be worked out at some point. If if the virus virus gets taken care of, whatever that means, uh, in in a short amount of time, then then I think these things will rebound without much of a repercussion. But if they if this is extended over a long, long period of time, Jake, at that point, all bets are off. And obviously, health is the number one concern all the way around right now. What will it be six months from now? It's a a big question. and, And how much will sports be a part of the landscape by then? And uh, in what form? And we're just we're just at the beginning of this thing where it, it just feels like there's so much uncertainty. I was even listening to the the press conference, which seems to be daily, uh, from the White House and uh, the people managing uh, this this crisis on a federal level. And you know they get asked every day how long until we can get back to some normalcy. And the truth is that even the folks who who study this and follow this and are leading the way in this, they just have no idea. 
Gordon, let alone yeah. uh, uh, a couple of bozos on uh, Salt Lake Sports Radio or even, you know, the mighty NBA at this point. We just don't know. Yeah, we're, we're all riding the wave. And right now the wave is uh, is going down and down and down. And uh, a lot of people are concerned about health macro health issues at this point but they're also an awful lot of people lost an awful lot of money today and uh it's it's getting painful for both those who live paycheck to paycheck and those who uh have a considerable stock portfolio all right we'll have more big show coming up straight ahead stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 the zone